Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, I'm joined by Abby Holmes as we are every Thursday where we'll look back at the AFL draft. We'll take a look at the big winners, the big losers, and some of the great stories to come out of the night. And of course, we'll preview the AFLW prelim final weekend. Who's going to be playing in this year's grand final? That's all to come right now. You are listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Spotify, please hit the bell, of course, a place where you get all your news, interviews, and analysis from the world of AFL and AFLW. And I'm joined by Abby Holmes, as I have been every Thursday. Abby, we're in late November, and there is still plenty of football happening. It's been a big week. Oh, what a time it is in the footy space. Of course, the draft's taken place this week. We've got AFLW prelim finals to look forward to this weekend. So it is certainly a very exciting time in the AFL and AFLW world. But um, before we get into the W action, Joey, I'm going to ask you all about the draft. You covered it beautifully with Fox, of course. First round earlier this week into the rookie draft yesterday. Uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from what we saw? Oh, well, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about the the academy selections and how many first-round draft picks there were. Look, I'm not so much in the negative camp. I mean, for so long we've been complaining about the Gold Coast Suns and when are they going to be relevant? When are they going to play finals? You know, when are they going to continue to uh, to elevate their game? And they finally get a real opportunity with four young potential stars. Yes. People are kicking up a stink saying, oh, it's unfair. I mean, what do we want in this world? I mean... <laughs> We've seen a lot of it over the years. There's, there's been big advantages for teams that have had father-sons and academies previously. And, you know, there's always twists and roundabouts, and some teams get an advantage one year, other teams another time. And it's great to see the Northern States get their opportunity. So now it's up for Damien Harvick and this Gold Coast Suns club to see if they can make the most of it. Because no doubt for me, they came away the big winners of this draft with four top 20 picks. It was a nice, um, even blend of what they got. Jed Walter is going to be a beast as a key forward. Mm. He's going to form uh, a combination with Ben King and Bailey Humphrey. It's going to be pretty formidable for a long time. They got young little Jakey Rogers, who I like, low to the ground. Uh, got real agility and speed. He'll play in the forward half. And then they also got a, you know, a midfielder and a ruck. So, look, I think they're in pretty good shape, the Gold Coast Suns. I loved what they did. As with North Melbourne, Abby, I think that, you know, again, yeah. there's been a lot of people lambasting the Kangaroos for where they've been and the decisions they've made in the past. But now, after a few years of good drafting and another haul of five first-round picks this year, they are a club for me that are building a, a real big talent pool. And if I was the Clarkson could just manage to get them right and put them in the right positions, and that now they can really target some free agency and trade players over the next couple of years, Oh, watch out. I think they're a team that'll be playing finals in the in the next three to four seasons. Yeah, and Alistair Clarkson is, of course, the absolute master. So looking forward to seeing what he does with North Melbourne. But Jed Walter, I'm putting it out there. You just touched on him. He's going to be my favourite player in the competition. I can already sense it. Um, I was actually in the gym yesterday with Charlie Kernow and I was showing Charlie his highlights and I was like, it's you, but 18 years old. They're so similar in the way that they go about their footy, but... Gold Coast Suns, I'm putting it out there, Joey. They're playing finals next year. They are playing finals, and I think we've waited so long to see them achieve some success, but I think that from here on in, it might happen pretty quickly for the Suns. Yeah, there are a lot of people in the same camp as you, Abby. I mean, not that I've delved too deeply into my top eight just yet. I think I'll hold fire. I reckon maybe (laughs) they just need a, a couple more years with this group, only because it's so competitive trying to work out who can play 
finals next year. You could easily make a case for 14 different teams. Mm. I really like what the Adelaide Crows did. I think they're a team that are heading in the right direction. Just missed finals this year. They got Dan Curtin. So they drafted uh, the player that some thought early in the year was the second best player in the pool. They got him at about pick eight. They moved up in the draft. And they got another player called Charlie Edwards, who's a big 190-centimetre midfielder who might take a little bit of time. He's a bit raw, but he's got some attributes. He's got some real athleticism and some size about him. So I thought they did exceptionally well as well, the Adelaide Crows. But mm-hmm. story for me, Abby, once again out of the draft, seems to be Geelong and what they are able to do. <laughs> so not only did they get Connor O'Sullivan, who was probably behind Dan Curtin, the next best big man and um, best defender in the competition. He's going to be sort of the the, pro, the prototype of the modern interceptor, 200 centimetres. He's good at ground level. He's got a sidestep and can use the ball. So him and Sam Bucarating are going to form um, a pretty scary defence for the Cats. So they, they can ink on that. But the one I love is a pick they got in the mid-30s called Shawnee Manor. Uh, he played for Werribee. He was absolutely dominant this year in the VFL. He was best on ground in a grand final, kicking six goals and having nearly 30 touches. Even though he's 26 years of age, I think this is a great get. I think he's ready to impact straight away. And, and don't be surprised to see him make the difference to this Geelong side. I think it's a great uh, story of perseverance. He, he'd been climbing the way. He's from up the country, um, sort of up near Albury Wodonga. He came down to try his luck at VFL level and played at Richmond VFL. But because of the alliance of the AFL team, didn't really get his chance. Then COVID hit, which stalled his chance to play AFL. But the last two or three years that he's put together at um, the Werribee Football Club, he deserves his chance. So I love those stories and we wish him all the best. Speaking of good stories, the Cats, what about with Oliver Wiltshire? Uh, This kid has never even played VFL-level footy. He's a a country footballer. They're hoping that he's going to be the next Tommy Stewart um, in the way that they go out there and and find these diamonds in the rough. But that is another unbelievable story, isn't it? They're calling him the biggest bolter in AFL draft history. Yeah, well, if it's so on brand for Geelong to draft the 26-year-old, it's so on brand of them to just pluck someone that no one's ever heard. (laughs) I can't say uh, that I'd heard too much about him, but... um, I read today in one of the papers that Matty Scarlett was the big influence. Yep. He saw it, would have been a coach and, and suggested to Geelong, hey, this, I've seen something similar with Tom Stewart all those years ago, a kid that's got some real high potential, just needs to be in an elite system. And who knows, and if any club is going to produce a, a star out of nowhere, it's going to be the Cats. So that's why they're, for me, are one of the fascinating clubs to watch um, going forward. From here, they also took some you know, developing ruckmen and some key position players because they know that they've got to now find the balance between stay competitive now, Geelong, but also they are in a situation where they need to to build for their next crack at it whenever that's going to be. Oh, there we go, Joey. The draft was exciting to watch. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully we see a few Nick Dacoses come out and just dominate in the first and second years. There's, um, yeah, so many superstars to keep an eye on. Yeah, these kids, they're ready to play. They, they come in an impact straight away. So don't be surprised, particularly those couple of Kangaroos boys, Colby McKercher and Zane Dersma impact, and I uh, really like St Kilda as well. They've got some speed in their side, and they drafted a player in the rookie draft, Rolly Bonnet from Port Adelaide, who I think's got some footy in him as well. So uh, the Saints are ones that I think have come out of it on top as well. But, you know, it gives everyone hope, Abby. It gives everyone some something to look forward to as clubs get back into pre-season and start to slog it out, and we'll get stuck into what next year is going to look like after this. But what we'll do is we'll take a break, Abby, because after this, I want to get stuck into the AFLW Finals, prelim weekend, AFL awards. That's all to come. We'll take a short break. We'll be back after this.
You're listening to Footy Talk. If you do have a question for us, get in touch with us on Instagram or on TikTok, and we will try and answer your questions and appreciate any feedback. Abby Holmes, AFLW semi-final time. We know a couple of the big guns are in it. Adelaide, Brisbane, North Melbourne get their chance. But the story for me has to be the Cats. The upset, probably the biggest upset in AFLW history, one of the greatest games in AFLW history, Geelong, knocking off Melbourne. And they are now going up to Brisbane to see if they can cause another upset and get into a grand final, take on one of the great clubs in the Brisbane Football Club. Oh, what a weekend it was. And it just sets up some unbelievable prelims this weekend. But I was at Icon on Sunday and I, I, I was shell-shocked in that last quarter. I remember Al Nicholson, he said to me, Abs, you know, from here, can you see the D's winning? And I said, based on what we're seeing, absolutely not. No way. You know, but this is a high-scoring and a fast-scoring side. It only takes you know, a few minutes for them to come out and score quickly and heavily um, and they can turn a game on their head and that's exactly what they did. Unfortunately for the Ds, they left it a little bit too late and, and they bailed out in straight sets, which is very surprising for everybody probably across the competition. But credit to the Cats. They were sensational. Um, they just bought the heat all day um, and then, yeah, they're heading up to Springfield to take on Brisbane, a 7.45pm bounce on Saturday night. So cannot wait to see how that one plays out. But I can actually see the Cats taking it to Brisbane this weekend as well. I, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think we might have a thriller up at Springer's. Um, but, yes, it's going to be very interesting to see who advances. And then on Sunday, of course, North have had the week off. They're nice and fresh along with Brisbane. And the Crows got it done um, in in style against the Swans at home last weekend. So first v third, fourth v sixth. Can't wait. Uh, is this North Melbourne's best chance, Abby? We've spoken about them throughout the season. They've just been the perennial bridesmaids. They haven't been able yep. to knock off the top teams. Is this their opportunity? Week off, fresh, at home. Icon Park against the Adelaide Crows. Can they finally get to a grand final? Yeah, this is their biggest opportunity across the competition so far. I have no doubt in my mind. So only back in round nine, North Melbourne and Adelaide had a cracking game at Norwood and the Crows just got it done in the final minutes of the game by three points. But North Melbourne, to their credit, they probably should have won that game but just couldn't um, close it out in the end. So, as you said, they're coming in fresh. Their midfield, their forward line, Kate Shearlaw, the inclusion of her into that forward line just is sensational. I think Ferguson, what she's doing down back, um, they've just got such a really strong spine, North Melbourne now. So if everything can click for them on Sunday against the Adelaide Crows, it is their best opportunity and, yeah, I guess their best positioning um, to take that next step in season eight. So put it on the line. Who's going to be playing in the grand final? Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So I, I do, yeah, this is, it's really tough though, isn't it? There's no real favourites heading into these two games. Um, so as I said, I think the Lions and the Cats will play in a thriller, but I do think, yeah, the Lions will get it done. Um, but Sunday is genuinely a toss of the coin. Obviously, I'm a, a Crows supporter. I, I played for the Adelaide Crows, so I would love to see them be there. But as you said, just for for North Melbourne, they've always been the bridesmaids, never the bride, and they need to take that st- next step. So I think for the competition, I'd love to see North there. I'm potentially going to say that North are going to beat the Crows on Sunday, as much as uh, as much as much as that pains me to say it. But I, I think that they they're prepped and primed and ready to take that next step.
I think Brisbane definitely, and I'm going to go with the Adelaide Crows. Oh, I'm not so romantic. I don't know. Oh, fairy tales, I wish they do exist, but they rarely do. And I'd love to see North Melbourne make it, but I think Adelaide just find a way. Brisbane, Adelaide, again, it's a boring grand, like, I shouldn't say boring grand final. It's boring no. to tip these two teams yes. to be in a grand final, but I just think they are the best two clubs out of the four, and they will make it. Hey, just some other news. Beck Goddard parted mm. ways with Hawthorne. That's now the fourth coach. To go, Michael Pryor, we know earlier in the year for the West Coast Eagles, Nathan Burke was a big story during the week, and Steve Simons. What does it say to you? It's just to me, I think that clubs are getting more serious about it. They are taking this more seriously. It's not just, you know, we're getting a coach in and see what happens. Clubs are now demanding a higher standard, aren't they, from from all their all their football departments? Oh, absolutely. I think no longer is the AFLW in its infancy period and, and people are willing to kind of take their time. I think it's now very evident that this is a high-performance space and, and success is something that is expected of you season on season. So four vacancies up for grabs is a lot, though. Um, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see which avenue different clubs are going to go and and which way they look for a head coach. But yes, it certainly does say that to me, Joey, just that the competition's ready now for for that ruthlessness, I guess. Just that, I don't know, just that success is what you're chasing every single year. And if it's not there, then there's going to be changes around the place. And of course, the W Awards are on Tuesday night. Amy Shark will be performing. That's yes. always an event. Jazzy Gardy, you'd think, would be front and square. I think Ann Hatchard with Polwell. We will find out who wins the award next Tuesday. And then, Abby, we will be back next Thursday to preview the AFLW Grand Final. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening. Good luck to all the teams playing this weekend. And we'll be back next Thursday to look at the AFLW Grand Final. Listener.